The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. for joining this week on the Brandon Peters show. Today we're talking the 1975 film Bucktown and I'm absolutely honored as I always am to have joining me today the director of Popcon Film Festival Audrey Lane. Hello thank you for having me back again. I think this is what like our fifth time for You've Maybe been so you you've been on like I think this is your third time on but you were part of a video for an episode you weren't on. Ah uh too true but yeah you've been a staple of the show in the past year so ah thanks but remember i told you when i was playing the show i'm like you're gonna you're gonna be a regular so be ready oh and i i I feel like i've been ready every time well at least you know it's conducive that i can be here and i really try because this Mm -hmm. is a pleasant pleasant experience it's fun We've had fun. I mean, you were on the Back to the Future episode. That was a blast oh, to kick off. That was the best. It was. It was so good. Then, I don't know if you've seen. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, go ahead, when you go said ahead. that, it made it made me think of the movies that made us the Back to the Future. Yeah. When they did, I don't know if you saw it, but every time I see it, I'm like, oh, our casting would have been so awesome too for <laughs> a remake. It would have been. Uh, you also brought to the table uh, the Wraith, which we predicted the Blu-ray release. <laughs> of the Wraith on that episode, like we did five months before it came out. <laughs> we did. I think we willed it into existence. I know it probably was already coming, but we willed mm-hmm. it into I, existence. I told my, uh, my PR agent that was working on that. I was like, Hey, guess what? Called it five months ago. He's like, damn. He's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like, he's like, we were in the works. He's like, you were right. That went on that, that channel because we had that master done for that blu-ray release so that's why it went to tubi looking smooth like that I was like, oh okay. nice and i still haven't seen it but that's one of the movies i really want to get in my collection and since uh charlie sheen does a bit of conventions now i'm just gonna have to make a journey i haven't caught him in the midwest yet but i would love to have like a poster of the wraith and mm-hmm. you know signed because that's my movie yeah, yeah. He used to stop by Indiana quite a bit because he was dating a porn star that was originally from here. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I missed the boat on that. Yeah, I do know that because uh, she's from my my hometown apparently, oh, and he would. Okay. They her par- her like her her family still lived there, so they'd come visit them. Her and Charlie come disappear into the Midwest where you won't get hassled right. by paparazzi all the time. True. Oh, look. Hey, y'all, you're good in that Hot Shots movie. That's what we talk like here when we see celebrities. It's funny. I see people do it sometimes, and it's just like, oh, whatever. You know, it's just like, oh, people in the Midwest are so nice. Mm -hmm. You remember when you were in The Chase? Yes, I do. I was in The Chase. (laughs) Oh, The Arrival was good, too. Some of his movies are so, like, I was in the groceries. No, where was I? I think maybe looking at Halloween de- decorations mm-hmm. at Menards and something about the jointed legs on this werewolf reminded me of the aliens on the arrival. And then I just oh, yeah. kind of chuckled to myself. I'm like, that was a good movie. 
that was a yo no it was it was funny because that when I first started doing uh, audio commentaries almost ten years ago for Out Now with Aaron and Abe one of the first times Aaron and I realized we have a lot of similar film taste was I mentioned something about Charlie Sheen's The Arrival he's like you remember The Arrival I'm like I like The Arrival and so it became this bucket list <laughs> if we ever had a random month that nothing was going to tie in to any film coming out uh, we'd do The Arrival and we finally after like a few years we got to The Arrival that was a oh, cool. fun one to do a commentary on but that's a, yeah it's a really cool movie i liked it I, I believe like roger ebert or ebert cisco and ebert they were really big on the arrival they mm-hmm. um they went on like oprah for like the big summer movie thing uh and to you know tell people this other like you the one you really need to see is the arrival i remember was, that and i was like what the arrival <laughs> like that was like the most left field choice of theirs and it and they were right well, it was kind of like, I mean, it wasn't a super high budget, you know, film. It wasn't a blockbuster. So for them, even at that time to kind of take a step back and, you know, look at the, and I don't even know who released it. I don't know if it was like Lionsgate or some smaller, mm-hmm. you know, company at the time, but yeah, um, it was kind of like unheard of that they did that because it was not a blockbuster in terms of, you know, fun. So, yeah. Yeah, it was good stuff. So since the last time you were on, you and I actually got to see each other in person we for did. a few days at PopCon. We had a, you yes. had a very, I'd say, very successful weekend with that film festival for the first time in person. Yeah, it was. It was pretty awesome. It was. It was better than um, than I think we could have imagined or have expected. Because when you're in person, little snafus. Now, we had you know some timing issues. But I'm telling you, just the support the filmmakers the number of filmmakers we over the weekend we had uh 51 filmmakers over that you know weekend period which is pretty gnarly mm-hmm. I, I mean we weren't expecting that many as we got closer to the date it kept ex- you know increasing and then we had four show up that we weren't even expecting <laughs> right so it was so it was pretty awesome and uh you had a really good weekend yourself i did we had a good weekend oh, together. And what did you take home? Best podcast in television and film. Oh my gosh. The, what they should rename the Brandon Peters Award, but I don't think they will. I don't think they you will. Know, if you leave your heir to the throne and you like, you know, go into another branch or do mm-hmm. something different, it can be posthumously named after you. Oh, there we go. Yeah. No, It'll be uh, like a best in show for podcasters. There we go. Um, no, I, I, that was a great week. I just liked seeing how busy you guys were over there, you and George. Um, and just like all the filmmakers seem to be really enjoying their time there too. Oh, they had a ball mm-hmm. and our team just rocks. Um, they just, I'm telling you it, you can, you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. And in PopCon, we are surrounded by good people. All of, you know, from Carl, Chris, Les, Amy, Bree, everybody, you guys, everyone came and checked on us because we mm-hmm. were are the new kids on the block. And right. since that was our first time at an actual convention for PopCon, we just felt the love. Like seriously, volunteers that you know we met, you know, here and there and at the meetings coming by, you guys need anything? What can we do? Do you, you know, and it was just great to have that support. Right. So it was a it was a pretty awesome weekend. Yeah. And yeah, that row of, uh, cause I, I had the, I set up the live podcast stage by you guys mm-hmm. and then it was you and then the laser tag, which laser tag is actually, have you done the laser tag? Did you? I did not. It's actually kind of sweet. 
It's like really, and it's one of their big money makers there too. Oddly enough, like there was one popcon where I think one of the first ones they came to, Carl's like, ah, oh, I bet that didn't. And then he went and talked to Victor Miller, who runs it, and he was like, "You made how much?" He's like, "Yeah." He's, he's like, "Whoa!" So they have been right? a staple. Every popcon has been well, next year. Next year, I'm gonna it's, do it. You know, it's vestless, and it's only this little room, and they go in there for like ten minutes, and it seems like an eternity, but in a good way. Like you're like right. ten minutes is that enough? And the way they have it set up, it's simple but fun. And I I never imagined minimal laser tag would be that fun. Um, and but. then they had a special on it, like X amount of time. Like I don't know if it was like thirty minutes for ten. Like hey, at some point they had like a little special that mm. you could could do for. It. And I was like, well, that's certainly you know worth the money, even it's, the ten bucks for. It's just it's just it's like one time. Go in one for the little one session, you'll be good. But, but yeah, I'll definitely. My kids liked it a lot. I'll definitely go in and, and do it again. It was the first time because I've been at PopCon a lot, and that was like the first time I ever went in on the the laser tag because they even had that when they would did the PopCon in Fort Wayne, and they come okay. from they come from Delaware to do that. Whoa, I didn't know that. That's actually pretty cool. That's yeah, yeah. And because Victor, he he's a I don't know. He's like an engineer or something with the laser tag equipment, and he goes to them all over the country to upgrade, make sure things are going well, and nice and, and offer stuff up. But yeah, it's real good, real uh, yeah, real fun. But the yeah, the, no, the film festival that was super cool, and I glad to see it's starting back up again, right? Yes, we actually just opened back up yesterday, and we cleared four times the number of entries on the first day than we did last. The word cycle. is out. The word, word is out. It's it, it's out, and it's good. Um, there's a lot of support out there from uh, from the film community, and it's it, it's good. It's good to be to be recognized. It's good to be loved, and we just you know want to keep doing a good job and doing things the right way and you know making a name for for the for the film fest we got some great films we had a lot of premieres um north american premieres we had a few world premieres a, about a dozen midwest premieres and indiana premieres so it it went really really well we're very happy <laughs> so good if i wasn't so busy i'd stop by and watch a movie but man you'll have to schedule some in so we'll have to talk about the blocks you need to try to make next time yeah Maybe I'll just put all my promos together in feature length and enter as the Brandon <laughs> Peters show, the movie. Like there why, you go. This goes all over the place. And you have you have the director in here. Was that you trying to get in on the in here? <laughs> so. Do a complete blooper reel of all of your interviews and that oh there my you gosh. go. Oh yeah. Hours and hours and hours and hours. I did just bleep I, my face out and you can do my voice. People will probably know it's me, but just bleep my face out. There so. you go. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so much fun. So much fun. I look forward to that again and I look forward to always look forward to popcorn. It'll be here before we know it. So And we'll be stressed out and Yeah. Dead. Like I Yep. It was a great time though. It was a great weekend after Friday it was morning. So um, <laughs> But uh yeah, so uh brought you back here for this week with all my craziness where if you're this is your first one you're tuning into this week because you're uh you're a Audrey Lane stan fan club what I'm doing this week so the past year my guests come on I tell them hey what's a odd favorite movie of yours or uh one that you found inspiration in some time of your life and you know that's something unique to them that it could be like oh well that's 
a movie you associate with them and see what they see and stuff. This for this week for my celebration of one going year going into two, it's my odd favorites and stuff. And today we're talking Bucktown. There's a town where law and order are dirty words, where you can buy a cop as easy as a beer, where the women are friendly as long as you've got the price. They call it Bucktown. Bucktown, starring Fred Williamson, Pam Greer, Thalamus Rasulala, and Tony King. They're the greatest black attack pack you'll ever see. What the hell did you know about that? And they're taking over Bucktown. Like stealing candy from a baby. You know any prayers, Cracker? Damn, brother, you have become one violent dude. Fred Williamson, Pam Greer, Thalamus Rasulala, and Tony King. Together, they're dynamite. In Bucktown, rated R. Under 17, not admitted without parent. It's directed by Arthur Marks, written by Bob Ellison, starring Fred the Hammer Williamson, Pam Greer, Thomas uh, Rasulala, Tony King, Art Lund, and the cinematic debut of Carl Weathers as Hambone. After being hassled by the man in a southern town, a cool <laughs> operator asks some violent friends for help. After all, if you can't trust another brother, who can you trust? I didn't write that line. That's the tagline. So this movie um, is, believe it or not, based off a real event. Bullshit. <laughs> Six months, is it really? Six months before this movie happened, this is what spawned the script, was a little event. A bunch of black guys overtook a white uh, police force in a small town. Army came in and uh, did away with it after a few days, but it really did happen in a small town, and this is taking that rip from a headline news story uh, and making their own kind of movie off of it. But this was, okay. uh, Fred Williamson said, a bunch of people uh, probably think this movie is a whole lot of bullshit, but it really did happen. So mm-hmm. it's here. I discovered this movie. So I'm really into this 70s grindhouse era stuff with like the the black exploitation films and stuff. Mm-hmm. I grew up watching these, just watching. I didn't know they were called that or anything. I just liked these little action movies and stuff. Right. And I never, I didn't hear or know of this one until I was living in Los Angeles in uh, mid to late 2000s. And I, I don't know how I came across it, but I'm like, hold up. You got a movie with Fred Williamson and Pam Greer. And then there's like Carl Weathers and nobody's talking about this thing. Like this is this is like the biggest thing that could have and it's from nineteen seventy five. It's not original gangsters. They made right. that movie later on, but this is from like the prime. And I'm like, how is this movie not talked about? It's lot? not I hadn't seen it. This is one that I hadn't seen. And I'll go, mm-hmm. so you know, sometimes you would watch movies and you know, on Saturday afternoon or something and you know, they didn't have where you could hit the remote and find out the name of the movie. So mm-hmm. sometimes you'd see things and you're like, Oh, Years later, oh, I remember seeing that. Never knew the name of it. So I thought that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I had not seen this movie before. Yeah. And it had my, pe- you know, some of my favorite people. I'm not going to try to pronounce um, dude's name. Mashallah. Rash- Thalamus. 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 Yes. That's a, wait, a mixture. Uh, yeah. Thalamus. 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 Yeah. And yeah. he's been in so many things. And he was oh, always yeah. such a great actor. And I'm like, oh, wow, he's in it. And then as I'm watching the credits, I'm like, oh, cool. Carl Weathers is in it. Oh, I get to see an extra young Carl Weathers. <laughs> yeah. And this is Williamson and Greer at like the height of their stardom. Mm-hmm. Like, because yeah. at this point, uh, Hell Up Up in Harlem, Black Caesar, That Man Bolt, Three the Hard Way, Hammer, those are all out for, for Fred. 
and then coffee, Foxy Brown, Shiba Baby, yep. Freddie Foster, Black Mama, White Mama, Scream Backlist, Blacklist Scream. All those are out. This is like, boom, and like, at, this isn't at the we, height. This isn't like we made a movie. This isn't like Scream Black to the Scream where they're like, oh, mm-hmm. fuck, we made a movie with coffee in it. Put her as that. Awesome. We right. Coffee in a movie. They, they knew what they had when they did this. And uh, this is kind of a different role for Pam at the time where she's more of a more feminine, uh, typical. Yeah, feminine. she's not kicking everyone's ass. She's she's hard, though. She is yeah. not to be fucked with. But um, if you're looking for her to be throwing punches and shooting dudes, it's, it's not going to happen here. Uh, but this is them. Huge. This is like. The big and these movies were making money, but this was a different kind of money maker. This was you took a movie city to city, and it rolled in. This movie, for its time, within like its opening like week or two, already had its money back and was just yeah. profits. But this, I don't know how this movie got buried over time, but you know, it it's it, it's hard to say because this is one of the better performed, better scored. Um, the performances were you know, were pretty decent and the wardrobe. So mm-hmm. everybody was on full pimp wardrobe, oh, but they, not yeah. like a slickster pimp, but like the good up class. <laughs> pimp They're like, I wish is- I looked that good in clothes like that. Like, yeah. I, like, it, yeah, it's slick stuff. Like you could, it would work today if one of them wore it out. Oh, you know, yeah. Like that stuff. Yeah, yeah, there were a couple suits in there that were pretty stellar. I was like, oh, okay, I like that. I mean, Fred Williams. Yeah, looked them pulled off one of the best Canadian tuxedos in the opening there. <laughs> like just full on denim. Like, yeah, dude, you look yeah. like a stud. And to, to be said, like Fred, I'm, I'm huge Fred Williamson fan. And like, I just sit here every time I see him in one of these old movies, I'm like the swagger and charisma of that, that guy mm-hmm. just out of this world. And he works as an actor too. It isn't just like Hammond or like, Oh, look, and he's an athlete turned movie star. Yeah, I was like, I'm watching this, and I'm like, Dwayne Johnson gets a lot from Fred Williamson. Like, yeah, there's one a of the, lot of that. I can agree with that. I can agree with that, and that's the, the one thing. Now, I think because maybe he wasn't offered certain roles, or at that time, everything was tough guy. But I could see him transitioning if he'd had the opportunity to do certain types of roles of more comedy, more drama. And I agree. I mean, and that's where The Rock succeeds. He can do everything. Mm-hmm. He can do the action. He can do the comedy. He can do, you know, quasi drama, but he's good at what he does. But Fred Williamson had such a presence. Um, He was, like you said, people loved him as an athlete. And then they're like, oh, probably this man can't act. And then you could see his acting getting stronger. Mm -hmm. But a lot of that I feel like was choked back to. I feel like he could have done more meaty type roles. Well, he did. He like, he started producing his own stuff. So yep. like he was just making he knew what made money. He knew what people would fund and yeah. he wanted to make what he wanted to make. And that's and he said, if you weren't if you were offering me a film and it wasn't like what I was doing, I had three rules. And it was he said, Rule number one, I don't die. I don't die in the <laughs> film. Rule number two, I get the girl. And I think rule number three was I like I get to kick the last guy's ass. Like that was so he just wanted to make action movies or something yeah. like that um although i mean he would take it into like the the help and harlem movies are kind of like mob ish but there's some straight you know exploitative action in there mm-hmm. um but 
that was that was his deal. He also um, so like the he knew Arthur Marks for uh, the director of this movie, and the guy Arthur Marks he did like seventy six episodes of Perry Mason. A uh, movie called Detroit 9000. He'd work with Pam Greer again on Friday Foster. He did JD's Revenge, which is a really popular film from that. Oh, time. yeah, I know that. Yeah. And he, Fred Williamson said about him, he was a, a white guy that didn't know shit about black culture. Um, <laughs> but what he said, but he, he, loved, Ar- he loved Arthur Marks because all the dialogue and character motivations in the script were changed on set as to what the actors felt was what they would really do or more conducive like, to what it, a person would do. It was written by a white guy, uh, Ellison who wrote Mary Tyler Moore show. And he was a script consultant on like cheers, Becker, Carolina, the city, like later, but they, he said he was really, uh, open to letting them take over their characters mm-hmm. and would not argue with them and stuff. He wanted it to be, he didn't want to just like, yeah, I'm a director and my script do that. I say, he was like, I want this to be culturally relevant. I want this to feel genuine and not mm-hmm. phony and so that's how he got a lot of these some of like he i think williamson cast like a couple people like uh uh what's it tony king he cast him in it um okay couple, got a couple other people convinced to come on the movie to do because he's like hey this guy's gonna let us you know tell the story right so mm-hmm. well that's cool and you know i'm i don't get so hung up on what color the writer is because right. when you think back and look at like the jeffersons and mm-hmm. Good times. Those were all written primarily by white men. Right. Um, but they got such an essence, especially if you lived in Chicago and you and which I'm from. And if you know those those projects and you know the strife of some of those neighborhoods, mm-hmm. that's like one particular episode when they go down to the grocery store and all the meat is bad and everything, and it's just like this whole fiasco. They get the meat home. It's spoiled, so they cook it and take it back to the store and want the man to eat it. And he's like, oh, no, no, like, he's not going to eat the meat. Right. And it was just like, I remember hearing that type of shit when when I was younger about how bad some of the neighborhood grocery stores were because they were sending, you know, just not really good meat. And some people that didn't go to the, you know, to the meat market, they would go to the corner grocery stores or whatever that already had the prices jacked up and had horrible, mm. you know, not even just produce, but meat in, in a whole. So I just kind of got a kick out of that. Cause I was like, now, did they know this? Did someone consult them about this? You know? So it's always <laughs> made me wonder when they got things so right, sometimes it's like, and well, I mean, some people grew up in very mixed neighborhoods or on the poor end. So I guess they could, you know, relate and depends on who, you know, and how you get that across. But I did not realize that the guy that wrote it, because some of the dialogue is in this film is really good as far as, when people are talking to each other yeah. Um, when it's kind of that natural flow ebb and flow of when you, if you know people that are kind of like more streetwise and street people of how they mm-hmm. talk to each other. And it just kind of makes you chuckle. Cause it's like, yeah, I know someone like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a uh, really, really good stuff between all of them. Even when, when it, from it, when it's friendly or when it's like devious or like mm-hmm. uh, the conflict uh, conversations or, really good and you really get a genuine sense of like familiarity uh with him and thalmas and then like pam greer entering the situation just people like really were i mean you get your goofy ass like that harley guy the big guy yeah he's kind of goofy and stuff but like you also realize like he doesn't deserve what happens to him from like right either either side of the equation um 
but yeah, no, it's 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 got some really good stuff. The thing that always the reason this movie is stuck with me and is a favorite of mine that I don't think a lot of people and I've always pushed people if they're like into stuff in this era, I'm like, watch Bucktown. Bucktown, mm-hmm. Bucktown, Bucktown, Bucktown. Um, because the thing I there's a mess I don't know if it's intentional or not. Uh, there's a message kind of in the film about going too far or taking a cause to another degree or who are you who are you really standing hand in hand with when you exactly. go to do something because this movie looks like on the one side yeah you have these crooked ass awful white cops harassing uh black people like racially profile them just discrimination all over the place he calls his buddies in to help overthrow them and they do they they mm-hmm. viciously hunt these guys down and murder these cops. Well, that's what was and, so weird is how did it like 40 minutes in? I'm like, wait, how is there like an hour left in this movie right, already when right. all this shit is happening right now? I'm like, OK, where is this going? That's typically where your movie ends. It's yeah, like, we did it. But then it stops. <laughs> it keeps going. And you're like, you're like, what's going on? And he's just invited yep. people just as awful in. But he's mm-hmm. like, hey, we're. We're brothers, right? We always, you know, just because, you know, you believe in one thing together doesn't mean you believe in all. And these guys, if you look at them, they had one, they had one joint cause, but then like 20 different ideas on everything else. Like one joint cause, but with underlying ambition, underlying ambitions. And because he invites Thalmas to town and Thalmas, his character and the rest of the the goons he brings to town to help uh, Fred Williamson take over. They see what the police have going on in their little yep. corruption circle. Like, we'll just pick that up where they left off, and so yeah. nothing changes. If anything, gets almost worse in town. Oh, it does. I mean, I, I gotta say, as anybody, okay. So, the message you were speaking of is how I took it. So it's bad enough that I'm getting, you know, um, hassled and crunched by the police every week to, you know, give them this extra money that, well, I just got to give it to them because otherwise they're going to shut my business down, whether I have a legit business or a prostitution ring, whatever. (laughs) And so then, you know, you give the people hope after you get rid of the corrupt cops. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, I got rid of the the cops. Now I'm going to come and fuck you over twice. Mm -hmm. Not only am I going to still take the money from you as your black brother or sister, now I'm going to take more. And so then that brings it to a whole nother level of, of victimization. I mean, I got to say, I feel like I would take it more personally and I'd be more angry that someone black was doing that to me versus someone white. And I know that may not sound the, the, like the nicest thing, but in reality, I got to say, I think mm-hmm. if that were to happen to me in real life, I'd be more shitty and I'd be ready to probably fight more because at that time, even in the seventies, I mean, there was, I mean, there was a lot of, of social issues, but there were a lot of poverty issues and that didn't have necessarily to do with black or white in small towns like that. I mean, if you were on the wrong side of the tracks, it didn't matter what color you were, you were on the wrong side of the tracks and you were looked at a certain way. So the people got all excited. The mayor was like, woohoo. And then the mayor's like, these brothers are crazy. They're over (laughs) here taking everything. Yeah. And I just, I, I mean, even if it was like the story was vice versa color wise, it's still that same message that right. delivers. And I, I really like really stuck with me about things and mm-hmm. like it, it, even going as far as like, well, I mean, in today's society, we live in these like 
very drastic political situations. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, with some people, I'm like, do you, when you go up there just because that's your side, do you know who you're walking alongside when you go to vote? Like, do you know the whole connotation of what? Because if somebody that I'm like, you have really disturbing views and I agree on that, like, where am where is it worth it? Is it it's like it raises a whole lot of questions. Exactly. That's when you have to stop and ask yourself, is what I believe to be true true? Or do I need to investigate some things more? So I have not, since my first election at 18, I have never voted straight party ticket after that. I learned so much that very first time. Yeah. I did it because I realized that when I voted straight party, I was voting for this. I'm, I'm blind. I'm putting blinders on and I'm voting for this. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't care if something's Republican, Democratic, Independent, Libertarian. It's the person and what they stand for for me. Mm-hmm. because I've been on that side where it's like, okay, well, you're a this, but I'm looking at your voting record and that's not standing behind what you're saying. Right. And I always tell people, if you want to find what a politician is doing, it's public record, go look at the voting record and look at the issues that are important to you mm-hmm. and see how they voted. As my mother would always say, I can show you better than I can tell you. Right. So it's like, I can tell you anything. But what I've done is on record, and you can see that. So, yeah, it's a, this. This was a different. Had a slightly different connotation with this movie. Yeah, and it was the which is the greater evil, which is the the the, the greater threat, mm-hmm. and it really made you think, which is the greater threat? Yeah, people are, are calling names and doing that, and they're coming and and shaking you down. But they were apparently shaking down everybody. Yeah, you know. But in the small, smaller, poor communities, they're getting shanked down for the same money that the other, you know, businesses that have more money and are in better neighborhoods or better areas. So it's just kind of like, man, you know, kill me three times. Right. And yeah. And I love that they do. They don't screw Like they don't make it hokey and stuff. They have a few scenes put in between Fred Williamson and Thalmus when Thalmus is in power in the town of, mm-hmm. I really don't wanted to come to this like Thalmus thinks Fred Williamson would be like in on it like oh yeah I'm cool with it and Fred Williamson is like w- I can't believe you're doing this and your goons need to fucking stop like it really has to take it as to far extremes for both men to finally go ahead like you can tell they don't want to it to come to blows with each other at all and yeah. they really make it believable these guys had a camaraderie of mm-hmm. some of deep connotations at some point, but um, and Fred Williamson had been a guy to have done it. It seems like the they'd done this before in some kind of way, but they all just did it and was over. And there yeah, was, like there was a bad situation, and you call on and, and 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 knowing now that this is a true story, which is crazy, that you know people that you can count on when there's some stuff that goes down that's super serious. I mean, you know, everybody should have that one or two people that they can call. Then it'll just be like, you need help. Okay. I'm there. I'm coming. Yeah. You know, the ulterior motive, well, he wanted him to be involved in it. But when you think about what he had already lost, I mean, this dude had lost his brother. Apparently mm-hmm. they had some kind of dysfunction in their relationship um, because they hadn't talked in so long. Right. And it could be because they were going down two different 
halves. And sometimes, you know, especially with family, you can't meet in the middle because you can't get past what the other is doing. So mm-hmm. I think it may be like you said, that they'd done something similar to this, or I kind of got the feeling that they were maybe not in the service together, but you know, it's something like that. Their relationship came from something else that was kind of traumatic maybe. Yeah. 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 It's just, yeah, it's something there. Um, and yeah, Williamson's is, I thought the funny thing was like, in order to get your inheritance, you have to be here for 60 days. And normally that's how like a comedy, romantic comedy sets up or something. <laughs> it's like he, like his brother, he's going to inherit. His brother has a club and some property or something. And in order to inherit it, he has to like be present in that town for 60 days or something. I have heard similar things and it's there has so been things like that even here, but I don't think it's 60 days. And um, just being in healthcare, like in people um, that had family that, lived outside the state did have to do something for X amount of days. I don't know if they had to live here. They had to get other kid. They had to do like, there's some things like when it comes to property and inheritances, you have to jump through hoops for sometimes it's not all cut and dry, especially depending on the type of will that it is also that's been left. There's some like executor things. They have to go this X amount of days and make sure like all debts are cleared and all that before it can be turned over. You just can't say, oh, you inherited this and then you get it. Yeah. Hmm. Which can kind of be a pain. Who the hell has time to take off work and go and live somewhere for, yeah, it was so, 60 days, right? Or was yeah, it 30? Yeah, yeah, like two months. I got to be, I, I'm in Kansas <laughs> City. Uh, yeah, I, how much vacation time do I have left? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get oh. this bar. I, the club. The cl- club Alabama. Yeah, Club Alabama, which is like, I, I it's not what I expect when I see a club. It's like a bar with some booths, and it looks like people eat there. I, <laughs> it was a set, I'm sure. <laughs> well, <laughs> one, of, I don't know. So I, I couldn't figure out when they were at the bar at one time, and they were sitting there, and there's a go-go dancer back on the stage, and there, there's people dancing, and I go, wait. I have never seen a titty bar that had like a dance floor for the patrons to kind of dance while the <laughs> person is on stage dancing. I'm like, okay. Yeah. No one's thought of that. No yeah. One's... That is interesting. That cracked me up. And I actually wrote that down on my notes too. I'm like, uh, dance floor at strip club. <laughs> it's right next to the buffet. Yeah. It, no, I think it was like, I think <laughs> there was food over there. I think, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, yeah, it's funny the town it's set up. It's it's like it's weird because it's very small town, but it it has like a a New York Forty Second Street nineteen seventies feel. But I'm like, do they have enough? Like, do they have anything else in this town? Because that seemed like that's like all you could have. But it's like I X, mean, X, X theater and all. I'm like, yeah, oh. that that street looked pretty hype. I mean, it had like live new girls. It had like all these shops, and I was thinking. Yeah. This is supposed to be a small town. Why are there so many vices on one block? <laughs> you know, it's like whatever you want to get into, no matter what kind of shenanigans, it's like if you can do it on these two blocks, it's mm-hmm. there's a brothel. Like we got <laughs> we sell sex here in Kansas City. If anyone didn't if anyone didn't know, we have sex and might as well be clan member cops. That's what we have yeah, so, in this town. It's, it's they so don't diverse. Wear white, they wear denim. That's what they <laughs> 
I did. They they all they were did. they like all had oh the same gosh. outfit. It was like they were matching. Like, all right, all right. Hey, you forgot your jacket, Bill. Oh yeah, I, sorry. Uh, is that my jacket or is that your jacket? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Just just take it. I got yeah. a pack of smokes in my pocket. That one's mine. They're, I mean, they're really real creeps. These uh, these racist cops. Uh, there was a line by the the sheriff, and he looks like just like the ultimate like king for them he's like got the white hair and the face like you're like yeah he's racist like without you thought he was good for two seconds i wasn't sure because Mm. he's like oh we are still investigating we're not going to let your brother's death go on unpunished i'm like wait okay so he's a good cop but his deputies are bad yeah and then the dude shows up in the car and i think you were talking about the line when he's like oh it'll be okay because god's on our side he said we're the law and God is on our side, which is fucking haunting that a person would have that mentality and creepy. I'm just like that. With this time watching it, that like stung listening. I'm like, yeah. Oh, cause a guy who believes that, Oh mm-hmm. God, what's he capable of? Like that's, Oh, like yeah. killing your dog or, you know, or you're just yes. a diddler. I mean, who's I'm just, that is the creepy. I think that's creepy when anybody says it anyway, even when the, like, I have such a thing. I don't like the religion thing. Okay, great. Good. It's fine. What I have a problem with is every time an athlete or someone does something good, they're just like, I'm like, so whatever deity you pray to or believe in, they have nothing better to do than to make sure you win this game. Did he have the other guys praying on the other team? Is he like, that's why I love like Aaron Rodgers one time. Because I, I think was it uh, Russell Westbrook, the quarterback for the Seahawks, I believe mm-hmm. he he like all oh, the game like God was on our side tonight, da 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 da, and then like the Packers beat the Seahawks, and he said in his press conference, "Looks like God was a Packers fan tonight." Oh, I think I remember that. And people were like, "Oh, I'm like, I mean, come on, how like, like it was funny, and 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 he was right apparently. If that's the, the hypocrisy of the athlete, they all." I know. Like, God with me. I'm like, so he went with him and little, little Johnny broke his leg tonight. Like, was yeah, it, yeah, like, like they're uh, sponsoring like a, a cancer kit or something for this. You know, if we win, we give all this money to the cancer unit. And then if you don't win, then the other teams, God was that outside. He was like, fuck those kids. I'm like, it, it's absurd. Well, it's absurd. <laughs> I, you know, I could, uh, I could save these people that are dying in this earthquake, but. You know what? Seahawks are on tonight. I'd yep. like to see them win. It's like, like fuck them. Like what kind of <laughs> like and like the George Carlin thing where like Oh, love him. But God is if you defy him, he's got these ten rules and he's scary, and if you don't, you'll go to hell and you'll burn there. But he loves you. <laughs> but he <laughs> loves you don't, no he, matter what. And he wants your money. <laughs> like that whole bit that he did. Oh, so great. I miss the late great George Carlin. I know the year before he died, we were supposed to see him downtown and we didn't go. And then he died. And I was so upset. Like, I, I I think that's one of my, the ones I cried on. I, I think he was just brilliant. And I think that when people look at folks of a certain age and they're like, Oh, well they're white. They've got to be racist and this and that man, George Carlin cut his teeth in comedy with the best. And anyone that's a comedian of any color just revels about him and his kindness and his wittiness and that he was a guy that would just sit down and talk that's you know thing. talk that's about a, anything that's where i think that 
I think that Chappelle has that now where it's like, I don't even mm-hmm. care if he tells jokes, just talk. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you are saying some really cool shit and really like, like look at ourselves, like self-reflective pointing out like, like anybody from any side could get so much out of either of them. Like George Carlin just became all of a sudden just talk. And it's funny to hear. It's mm-hmm. funny to reflect. And it's like insightful. They're like, oh my gosh. Bucktown's the movie we're talking about today. (laughs) I know, sorry, we're just delving. But that's what, well, and I think because George was so big, he was so, oh my gosh, his stand-up, and it's not even saying the evolution, Mm -hmm. but he was doing comedies in the 70s when all of this stuff was going on, and he was talking about these very same things we're talking about in his act in the 70s. Yeah. So it's 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 really kind of great and it comes kind of that full circle mm-hmm. of I could see him breaking down this movie and I'd sit there and listen to it for two hours, oh, you yeah, know, for sure. Just just because I mean, he could hit on everything and just poke. And, you know, it, it's just it's one of those movies you can. There's so much going on. Mm-hmm. You've got the action. I mean, and which is which is good because I love seeing real ish fights. You yeah. know, oh, let's yeah. Let's... It was fake, but it was real. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when they start fighting at the end, and he rips that the back of that jacket, <laughs> and by the end of the fight, it's just flappy like a cape, mm-hmm. but it never comes undone all the way. Yeah, this <laughs> that is was just, the this, best. Is like a, this is like an eight minute like hand to hand combat scene that ends it between Fred yeah. Williamson and Thalmus, and it is. It is like exhilarate. Like you're exhausted, like them by the end of it, because yeah. you're taking the punches. This movie had no stuntmen, I believe. They had to do this themselves. Oh wow! And they're oh wow! The way I could see that saved costs on the movie. And Fred Williams is like, mm-hmm. he's like, you got to be careful. Like actors, actors don't count right like stuntmen do. Actors <laughs> will hit another person on accident, like other. But him and Thomas, like they enjoyed just beating the hell out of each other through the end of that. And it's yeah, it's a big because. At the end of the movie, for some reason, like so the cops take over the town. Fred Williamson decides he's going to take it back by himself. Uh, he goes to some military facility and steals this like tank machine that I don't know why because he just drives it into a wall and that's it. He ends up shooting the people. Maybe. I know. Surprise. Well, he, ran over, he hit the one car and blew it up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He blew that thing up. I mean, he hit the back end and I was like, was that supposed to happen? Like when I was watching, I'm thinking, was this like a... a- <laughs> <laughs> a happy accident was it supposed he, to do that right he hit he hit the gas tank just <laughs> oh gosh and yeah and he he goes in he crashes in a wall and then he ditches it um and he goes and he you know shoots me gets carl weathers like french connection style going up the stairs yes and, yes he did and um yeah uh he just they meet in the hall they're like put their guns down and they fight and he doesn't kill him uh, he stops and this, they realize they won. They got the town back. Uh, and the, I guess the town's decision is no police officers. That's You know, something's got to give. I mean, it's just like, if we, if we got to have like super racist cops and here's the thing, what kind of made me bad about that is there wasn't, well, there was one cop that he never really said anything racist. He, but he, but they didn't focus on enough because I don't care how small of a town, every damn cop isn't racist. Every whatever. So I'm like, really? But then sometimes when you fall into that mob mentality also mm-hmm. of if there's eight guys on the force and six of them are racist assholes, you're kind of like, well, I don't necessarily want to do what they do, but I got to kind of sit here and be present for this shit. And it's kind of, 
very disheartening, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. But they didn't really show them saying anything. He's kind of the dope that comes in when he goes, how much is it for a permit or whatever? And he goes, oh, well, I think it's about 450. And he said that because the other guy had said it was 450, but it didn't seem like he did it maliciously. Right. He was just like, oh, um, I'm pretty sure I heard, you know, from Joe Bob over there, it was 450. Yeah. And it's like, it wasn't malicious. And he was just kind of like, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's a weird dynamic. Um, especially then, I guess they only wanted to call people out of their names when they were collecting the money because they were hanging out with the black people at the, at the whorehouse, at the mm -hmm. place playing cards. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. I'm, I'm like, like, are you a, 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 do you pick and choose? Well, you know, also, or, they, I mean, they got to a point where they're like, that town might've been so corrupted by that, that that was just the way of life. And they were used to it and they weren't, they're like, fine. This is, here's five bucks. So we do. I don't know. know how no one plotted their demise, you know, like sooner. Right. You know, you got to have safety in numbers. And I was like, there's 80 you cops. I'm not saying I'm going to go kill a cop because I got much respect for that. But I think if at that time period, if I had been involved in that time period in a town like that, that it was run to where you couldn't even breathe, it seems. Mm -hmm. And every time you turn around, somebody's shanking. And it seemed like at one point at the beginning, <clears throat> they weren't just getting businesses. They were just shaking down people, period. Yeah, yeah. There was this one guy just standing out of a building. I got shook down by yeah. both sides. Like, it's like, all right. I'm like, I wouldn't want to live there. That sounds horrific. Yeah. Just terrible. Oh, gosh, here we go. And I interrupted you. I'm so sorry. No, you're fine. We can talk about Pam Greer and how yeah. amazing she she's, she looked. And nobody commands a screen like freaking Pam Greer. Like uh, she's one of my favorite actors of all time. She's the first female action star ever. And uh, just watching her dramatic chops, watching her just own up with Brad Williamson, mm -hmm. and just really just not taking shit in any way. But like, but she is kind of at the beginning. She's like, "Don't fuck with this. I don't want to die." Like, take that's her yeah. thing. Like, I don't, I don't want my life to suck. And everybody loses who challenges these guys. So I think that's kind of her her motif. But uh, apparently she like grew up on the street with like Fred Williamson. Like she was like the neighbor's daughter or something. And so, yeah, no, they go back a little bit. So she was very sister like to him, and he said it was the most awkward thing having to do love scenes. Like he did. Oh, not, I bet <laughs> he did not feel comfortable with that. But yeah, he said growing up, like he would be like protective of her like he'd have people over play basketball she'd go walking by guys be like hey he'd be like uh-uh nope off limits yeah <laughs> so but. because can you imagine being that beautiful and 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 just people just constantly harassing you at every at every turn it had to get old real quick but i bet she probably was kicking ass then too i remind my daughter every year i'm like you realize you were born on the same day as pam greer right oh very nice it's like you got her dna in you i'm like you just you better relish in that you have one of the coolest celebrity share birthdays ever like not yeah that like nobody and it was so great to meet her she was a gem just like quick side note so when she came to horror hound I, I was waiting in line to meet her because I'm working all weekend and this guy is in front of me and he's pulling out all these like posters and pictures of her. Mm -hmm. And she, he, she, he, uh, the guy pulls one out and she goes, Oh my gosh. She goes, I literally have never seen this poster for this movie. Um, and it was something rare. And I honestly, I can't remember what it was. So I think it may have been a movie that was, 
foreign made, but we would released it here like any other movie. Okay. And it was like this poster and she goes, oh my gosh. She's like, I only saw one of these ever, but it was when the movie was first done. Right. And so she signed it. He had a bunch of stuff for her to sign. So much stuff that she was like, I'm not going to charge for all this, you know, because he had yeah. a butt like, because it was per autograph. And oh, he wow. gave her the poster that he had bought for her to sign. It was really, really cool. And she didn't want to accept it. He's like, no, he's like, this is an honor and a dream. And she's just like, oh my gosh. She was just like in like welling up because this dude had so much memorabilia of her, like stuff she said she hadn't seen in decades. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. And she's just the sweetest. I mean, Mm -hmm. and still gorgeous, still gorgeous. Yeah. Just gifted lady in all facets of life. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. She yeah. was the first, like you said, badass. And mm-hmm. yeah, I love. I have, I have a coffee poster in my room. Uh, uh, I always. It's one of my favorite posters ever. And uh, yeah, happy to happy to have. I've always been a big fan of hers. Of that run she does the, the early just early seventies, like just starting from there, just boom, cool ass movies. Yeah, all the time. I liked her in this because it was like a softer role, and mm-hmm. she was. She was a badass without having to fight. She did it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, so when she's talking to, oh God, what's Thalmas's character's name? Jeez, like brain lapse. But when she's talking to him and she, you know, is having that banter and saying that, you know, he doesn't want to um, fight you. You're his friend. He says you're his friend. And she's like, I want to love the man. I don't want to bury him. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, that like hit me so hard in the heart. It was just like, she's putting all her, cards out and saying hey if you don't even if you don't do it for him and believe him believe me yeah you know i don't want to see this happen i want to love him i don't want him dead and i was just like that is that's some truth right there you know yeah it's deep um yeah i i yeah this is one of my favorite films of hers uh one of my favorite films of fred's uh, they also someone who's seen steals in this movie is tony king who plays tj who's the <laughs> scum bucket like, yeah but he's an electric scum bucket. Like he, <laughs> like he, uh, just he comes in and he's got his eyes on Pam Greer, and you're like, you don't, you better leave her the fuck alone. Like, yeah, you're, you're saying that at the screen. You're like, I, I see what you're, I see what you're doing. You better yeah. watch it. You better fucking watch it. And he does, like, he's like this smooth guy, and like, there's a cop he kills, and he gets out of the car, and he like spits his gum out and shit. I'm like, it's kind of, it's kind of smooth, badass. But like, he's got this vibe throughout the movie and you're just like hoping something happens to him and then he yeah. like attacks Pam Greer in, her, in the home and you're like oh fuck no and then Fred Williamson beats the shit out of him and he doesn't even kill him I was so yeah. I, I didn't know how to feel about that because it's one thing you accosted my woman and he had mm-hmm. every intention on raping her he took his jacket off like he's yep. just going to make himself at home and I think that would have made me want to kill him even more versus him just coming into the house. Mm-hmm. But he just had, like you said, from the onset, when they first came into the bar, when they got to town, that swagger just mm-hmm. kind of like, yeah, she's going to be mine. I don't care if she's with him. I'm going to, I'm going to have that. And mm-hmm. it was just like, mm, okay, you're being a dick. And what he right. said to her at the table and she called him a, a filthy animal because whatever he whispered in her ear I don't know. He was just one of the, he's one of those characters. He's just extra mannish. It's mm-hmm. like, we already know you're mannish and you're a dude, and you're a tough guy, but you're going so far beyond the, the, the threshold to prove that you are. 
that you kind of make yourself weak and obsolete. And that's how she knew that she could go into the jail and sweet talk him Mm -hmm. because she knew that's all he had on his mind. And that in his head, he's going to be like, yeah, she had to come to me and cower down and yeah, you know, he was a piece of shit. Yeah, he was. He did good at it too. Um, Really, really good. Um, Yeah. So like, yeah, he's, he's good. Carl Weathers. He's a goon that has, couple lines here and there but um you know him because he's carl weathers you're like holy crap young carl weathers who looks i mean carl weathers his age very well um but like yeah he looks just like he's he does in rocky i mean like just an action jackson he, he stayed the same yeah. age for like 30 years 30 years like yeah it's crazy because what rocky is like Two, a year, he had to be getting ready to film Rocky during this because Rocky's 76. 76, yeah. Holy crap. So he went from this to Rocky. That's insane. Yeah, he beefed up a bit. Yeah. Oh, crap. I just realized that now. I'm like, holy crap. Like I was like, well, Rocky's a couple years. No, it's the next year after this. Well, and thinking of the filming, if it came out in 75, then maybe they filmed in 74. 74. Yeah, they probably filmed 74, but then Rocky would have been filming in 75. Yeah, so yeah. still within a year, year and a half, but yeah, and this is a year. I mean, Pam Greer had like three, three or four movies this one year come out, but I mean that was different. Like you filmed them at times, and then it took them a while to get done, especially if they're a lower budget. They took a while to yeah. get distribution and stuff, but uh, very exciting. Uh, but yeah, no, I dig this movie so much. Like I've always dug it. It gets a little bit over the top towards the end, but you're watching a movie. It's a one guy taking on a bunch of people. You got I think it's earned it to that point. Uh, there's a lot of good drama, good performances. Good, I mean, and it's like I, I feel like it's forgotten. And I just like always tell people like when they're into this, I'm like Fred, Fred Williamson, Pam Greer, the black exploitation era stuff like that. I'm like Bucktown. Got yeah, it. and I had not seen this one, so I was I was I, I liked it. it. It was good. It has a you know. It's sometimes movies like this can do two things for me. They can sometimes they make me really angry. Not really angry, but they just kind of make me roll my eyes. And, you know, a lot of them can be of that same kind of theme. Mm -hmm. But the whole black exploitation movies, which I really hate that name. I wish they called it something else. He's like, who's being exploited here? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because here's the thing. They're not exploit. Here's the thing about films of that era. They, like you said earlier, they made money for themselves. They, Mm -hmm. a lot of them were black produced a lot of them were black written black directed you know they had the talent they had all these people in these roles of grips mm-hmm. and it was them producing movies and i mean and really to be honest that started way back with like sydney portier making movies and they just kept that kind of going so well yeah melvin when, and peoples is really what broke this oh open, god yeah so. oh yeah oh yeah the, he's like for the black exploitation area but before yeah. then there were a lot of black you know films being made by blacks you know and i don't even necessarily want to say for blacks but that's just what it was and this whole new era just like of of the 70s was like okay we can make these movies you know some were better than others but it was an outside hollywood thing they didn't need hollywood money because they financed and got things made and Mm -hmm. i miss that part of filmmaking yeah because everything was so connected then, you know, as, as racial things started to, you know, get better, you did see that divide where there weren't as many like 
black studios or black produced films and things like that, then we kind of have this disconnect. Now it seems mm-hmm. to be coming back a little bit, but I don't think it's ever going to be that wondrous rich era of the 50, of the 70s to the early 80s of filmmaking like that. Because you had so many things. Oh, don't even get into like the kung fu action part um, of black exploitation. That's like a whole other jam for me. Well, then, like that yeah, was. You have kung fu exploit. You have you have exploitation based on just Bruce Lee, where they yep. start naming guys Bruce Lee, like beer with L I, L E I, and yep. every, and and you have them trying to make Bruce Lee films with mock Bruce Lees. Like they can't <laughs> even just make a regular kung fu film. They're like, he's a lives. It's Bruce Lee, L E E E E E E, but it's you know like so it's ridiculous. But I mean, people yes. were pouring dollars into that, and yeah. But the thing is that this era, like, if I was like, yeah, people will go see black people in movies, dumb fucks, like that, and casting, you know, bigger, given opportunities, let people grow, letting people like Fred Williamson comes a star, he hires people, he learns, he can become yeah. a director himself, like. This is this is really good pivotal. While some may look at it as trashy films, or they don't like that exploiting, exploiting or whatever, but I'm like, it was giving people opportunities. Mm-hmm. It was learning, and if it's their story and their truth, it's their. Tr- I mean, some people mm-hmm. have those experiences. Like I can't. I my experience growing up in Indiana, primarily, even though I'm from Chicago, I grew up mm-hmm. mostly here. I'm a Hoosier. My experience growing up is totally different than someone that grew up on the West Coast. Yeah the deep south or the east east coast it's totally different like i am i get called city girl you know uh-huh. by george and he's right because i didn't like the country i didn't like outdoors i mean i liked outdoors but i didn't like to do certain things mm-hmm. you know like camping and stuff like that now i love camping i love quiet i want to live in the country where it's quiet and i have open space but the experiences are different. So it can't be necessarily black exploitation because when you grow up in a certain place and that's the way of life and you see it, even if that's not your particular way of life, you live in that arena, you live in that area and you see the things that are happening. So they're not exploiting it. It's showing it. It's not exploiting. Exploiting is something that you do that's dirty and underhanded. No, it's saying, hey, no matter what you think you know about certain areas of certain types of people mm-hmm. in this town called Bucktown, which is very similar to a lot of small towns, yeah, you have certain issues. Again, it's not always a race thing. I personally think it comes more down to an economic thing. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the wrong side of the tracks. It's like, okay, well, you're okay if you're a minority and you live over here because well, you're a better class of people and then you're okay. But if you come from this side, well, we really don't care. Give a shit what color you are. You're on the wrong side of tracks. And right. You're not supposed to be over here with us good, decent people. You're supposed to be over there. Stay in your slums and stuff like that. So it's uh, it, so I, I like that when you saw, even though outside the cops, you didn't really, and, and the people that were running with the money, you didn't really see any other white characters. You saw them on the streets and they looked de- just as, in despair as everyone else mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in the area. And it's just like, oh, okay. It's like, we're all just kind of hanging out, trying to do whatever. Do it, oh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I get you. I get you. No, this great. Um, And yeah, this movie, yeah. It, I, I Like I said before, like this movie has an idea inside of it of that sort of thing of like, not always just, going the tribal route like mm-hmm. what comes with the 
the tribal route and that it's not always that clear and be careful who you're aligning with for a hard thing because guess what that you're nobody agrees on everything nobody well and like you and like he said in the movie it's all about the color it's all about the g the color of the green some people will do anything for money some people will punch a baby in the face for money some people will you know you see like all these people that are trying to do like a murder for hire things it's like you dumbass you know it's like people will do so much for money and that's when the trust comes in because if someone could sell you out easily mm-hmm. and they have, and they, some do that's scarier than any kind of enemy that you can't see. The ones that are right there by you mm-hmm. can be those scariest people um, right. that you, you know, have in your circle. And it's because you don't know that they would go to those extremes. Yeah. I mean, I live in Los Angeles. I knew people that were good friends of mine that, had it been offered to them to stab me for, <laughs> for an audition for a Martin Scorsese film, I'd probably need some stitches. Yeah. If I, if I survived it. But just for an audition. I'm not talking gets the part. I'm right. It's just cutthroat. People uh, are. Yeah. And that's pe- how people can. They're very them. unpredictable. Mm-hmm. People are very unpredictable. And that's what was a good lesson in this. You predicted your friend was going to come and help you and take his ass home. Yep. But he didn't because he, like you said, he saw the good setup that the cops had. And I, and I, and I know what he was thinking. Well, if they could do it, why can't we? Yeah. Which is a whole nother level of assholeness because right. it's like the same people that you came to rescue, which are the mainly, you know, for the, it was the black people being oppressed by the cops, right. even though they were oppressing everybody. So they're like, oh, well, we got the white people out of the way. So how about we just go do it? There's something really messed up in that mentality. So it was, it was, it's one of those things where it showed it, but it wasn't too preachy about it. It kind of let you make up your own mind about what you felt and what you thought about it. It presented the information and you can do with it what you will. Right. You know, it's, and I've liked that about a lot of the movies of that era because even, I mean, I gotta say, even they glorified like Superfly, they almost had you feeling sympathetic for the pimp. It's like, This is wrong. I don't want to feel bad for him. You know, he's an asshole. He's a pusher man. He's a pusher man. Though I, I will never understand the whole pimp whore dynamic. That just yep. You should watch just, uh, if you were to, if you were to learn more, like see more of that. Have you seen uh, at Zola yet? No, I haven't. But I have it on my watch list. I have it. Yeah. It fucking rules. Okay, then it's, I'm gonna have to definitely did, watch did that. Did you like the movie Spring Breakers? I don't think I saw Spring Breakers. It's in that vibe, it's not the same, uh, but like... I, I started I, I, it, but I don't think I finished that. I'm telling people if they kind of like that, they like Zola, but Zola is rules. Like, it is fresh filmmaking, um, just wacky, funny, thrilling, like, just bonkers. Like, it's... Yeah, I I, I thoroughly enjoy it. I trust it. you. And it, comes, I trust you. it gets in and out of there in like 85 minutes, and I swear to you, I was like, okay, now we're, now I feel like we've got this set up. We've got oh, 20 <laughs> minutes left. This movie, I was like, this movie flew. Like I was Dang so into it. it. I, I, Zola, it's, it's, if I had to make an end of the year list, it's. Is it's, it going to be on there? It's in there on top 10 for right now. Like I thought it was, I was that taken with Zola. So. 
Ooh, maybe that's our next show we do together. Oh, I'll, I will talk about Zola uh, a lot. Uh, so okay, that's when I uh, yeah. Or do a, a top ten, like do something at the end. And we can compare our compare lists. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, Zola. So yeah, so check out that. Check out Bucktown. That's the movie we talked about uh, today. <laughs> it's a terrific little movie. It is on Blu-ray. Finally came out like last year. It's out of print already on Blu-ray. It came out. And oh, it's, it's gone. But this was a movie I was on my Blu-ray wish list articles that I write once a year. Aww. A few years ago, I wrote, I was like Bucktown and then like Scorpion releasing put it out. And I snatched that thing up because I was like, I'm not going to fuck around with that one. And so I I got it right away. And then I looked, I was, when I was prepping for this, I was like, oh, it's on DVD. Oh, the Blu-ray is out of print already. Okay. So. Wow. Uh, but I think. I mean, that's a good so, thing. I mean, yeah. it's. It's a good thing. Oh, we didn't even talk about the kid. He oh, was such yeah. a little ham. Oh my god! Little dude on the motorcycle. Yeah. How did he, okay. Um, How did he have a bike like that? What kind of hustling was that kid doing? Like, like geez. A, not quite a moped. Not quite a full motorcycle. Like it was like a mini motorcycle. Mini it had. Motorcycle, cl- yeah. I mean, it it was nice. And they allowed him in the club, and he was like twelve. <laughs> I think you're giving him a year or two. Yeah, I don't maybe. know. He. He was a little dude, but he was very knowledgeable on where to get. Uh, um, oh, what did he tell them? He goes, "Oh, what did he say when the when the friends came in town? He did he say cannabis or something? Yeah. I think he said he he used the technical name, I believe. And I'm like, okay, so he said smoke or something else, yeah. but then he like used cannabis, like they didn't know what what it was, so he had to go and school them. <laughs> right? Oh god, yeah, that's funny. I forgot about that. Oh my gosh, he was, he was, I, I really enjoyed, enjoyed his antics. He, he was funny, but I'm like, oh my gosh, that would have been me as, as a, as a, as a kid, just into everything, knowing everything, know all the good dirt and gossip. So I really don't know what he did because he said he wasn't a pimp. He was a, oh, what did he say he was? I can't remember. Because Fred Williams goes, what are you, a pimp? He's like, I'm not a pimp. I'm, I'm a something. I can't remember what he said, but I was like, mm-hmm. okay. He's like the little master of everything. He knows all the dirt in town. Right. He's got to be a prototype. Like, I can't think of any other young kids stuck in adult action movies like this before him. Like, so he might, he might be a prototype of a certain type that got used throughout when having like a kid with like a Schwarzenegger, a kid with like a Stallone or something later on. Yep. Yep. Always. You know, I didn't think about that. Jeez, you're right. He might be a prototype for that. So listeners, if you find something before that, that signifies that's fine too. Um, But I can't, I'm trying to think of like times where like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to get off here and just like wreck my brain and think about, yeah, who's the, you go ahead. (laughs) You got to gear up for, for antics tomorrow. Yes. I got to gear up for antics. Um, but before I do that, um, I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, Audrey, awesome to have you. Thank you for coming back again and again and again. Thank you for having me. And hopefully come back again and again. Absolutely. I always come back. Yeah. We got to do a year in, we got to do a year year in on something. We can narrow it down of topic wise. All right. You know, I know you've probably seen, I usually take that week off, but maybe, maybe we'll do something, some, something. Maybe I'll put something there. I usually, I did it last year. I took the week, end of the year week off, but. Let me think of a theme and it doesn't have to, that we could, that we could touch on. Okay. That'll be fun. I may be easy to say Christmas movies and stuff, but mm, Mm. I think I want to, I think I want a little more something uh, hard and original like that no one thought of. 
We'll figure that out. If you want to hear that, let me know. Um, <laughs> listeners, if you're looking up forward to that, because um, you guys have told me you want Jessica Osmanai's commercial episodes to happen. So uh, we'll get those going down the line. So Audrey and Brandon's year-end something. We'll, yes. We'll figure it out. Um, but, but before that, uh, before this ends, uh, let people know what you got going on currently and where they can find you. Well, I am just being a humble film fest director right now, and we are taking submissions. Um, I am really trying hard to get my podcasting and horrified page back going, but I just really love dedicating the time to this. So you can find us at filmfest.popcon.us and horrify.com. Well, no, not horrify.com. I'm sorry. Horrify on Facebook because... I've been so bad with my website. I've been terrible. So that's where you can find me. Um, and I'm all around just everywhere. IG, I guess. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, and I'm on Twitter and Instagram at brand 4 kuhd my written work at whysoblue.com. Back again tomorrow. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, this marathon of a week. So I uh, hope you're enjoying it. And until then, stay film positive. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Alsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found. <laughs>